0: Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Worship Sound Co. podcast. I am Jesse Phillips. I'm here with my friend Johnny Miller. And we are joined today by a very special guest, H.W. from Tone Junkie TV. Well, hello there. Thanks for coming and uh, joining us on the show today. For those uh, people who might not know you, for some reason they've been living under a rock for you know the past few years, can you give like a little overview of you, what Tone Junkie TV is, and why in the world we would want you on our podcast? Well, I have no idea, but uh, no. Thanks for having me. Anyway, I've been listening. Yeah. So, Tone Junkie uh,
1: and I got. Well, I got started with Tone Junkie. Uh, I started Tone Junkie just when um, I moved to Nashville. Some guy played a Kemper near me, and I went, "Holy cow, that sounds like a record!" And so then, uh, as I do a lot of things, I got a little obsessed. Started playing Kemper a bunch. Started capturing a bunch of amps. Bought a couple floral shirts and the rest is history. And so now I'm on a mission to profile the world. I don't know if anyone can do that.
0: Got to catch them all, yeah. you know. So uh, when I first met you, you had just moved mm-hmm. from California.
1: Well, uh, I used to work in marketing and uh, I moved out here to open an office for my family's company. They sold something very boring, like, you know, uniforms and stuff. <laughs> So I moved out here for that. I met you, Jesse, at, uh, at my church and man, I think I landed here and like, I I never even heard people like call out numbers before. Like I knew how it worked, but I was not like prepared for, you know what I mean? Like, just like, you know, someone writing a song yeah. on the stage while you're trying to play it or, or, or just yelling out, which was, yeah. <laughs> which where we were at, that was the style at the time. You know, what are we playing? I don't know. You'll find out once it starts. And that, so, yeah. uh, so, uh, so, that was fun that, you know, that makes you grow as a player. Now I feel used to that, but, uh, yeah, I came out here for work, man. And then, like I said, discovered a bunch of, uh, just tone heads, you know, like myself. And that was, uh, shortly after that, I mean, a week or two after that, probably that, that we met was the experience I had dragging in my whole amplifier my all my pedals. I mean, I had a Sur guitar. I had like a Sir amp. I had the Strifecta on my board, you know, all three, you know, I had a oh, King yeah. of Tone <laughs> and I had a, uh, there wasn't a real clone, but there was some, some other trendy clown thing on there. And, um, I started playing, sounded like an SM 57. And then the guy I was playing with started playing. And I thought the stem started, you know, I thought they started the track and I just double took, And I was like, "What is that?" And he was playing a Kemper. Now he was playing some Strymon's too. But I was like, "Whoa! Show me what that's about." And uh, yeah, that that was um, that's that's how I so very quickly I landed in Nashville and got converted to uh, to the world of digital.
0: Yeah. So one thing Johnny and I have kind of discussed is like you know this digital versus analog debate that's been going on Mm -hmm. on basically any guitar forum. That you could possibly join. People are like, digital is the way to go, analog's the way to go, and they're they're willing to fight and lay down their lives for what they think. And uh so me and Johnny have our own like opinions of things, and we can get into that too. But we kind of wanted to start uh by just asking you like what does digital versus analog mean to you, Jonathan? And like how does that play into the the debate?
1: So uh I will I'll say my perspective is this. Um You know, the cake is a lie. So sound, sound is in your head. Uh, Mm. And sound is like something your brain tells Mm. you is good or bad or tells you about, you know, Uh, it's like air. You can't see it. Uh, Mm. We say you can hear it. That really means it, it translates through these like microphones on the sides of your head. And then your brain tells you something about that. And it gives you a lot of information. It gives you, I mean, if you hold your hand in front of your face you you, without being taught, you know, something's very close to you. um, And when something echoes or is dark, you know, it's far away. So to me, you know, the important thing is um, what sound tells you and what the sensation is. And if you recognize that, you know, it's just waves, it's just vibration in the air that gets picked up and translated by you, then to me, there's really no reason to think that the the way you create those waves that could really even be intelligible at some point. Now, are we, are we there yet? That's a question, you know, and how close do things get? But in terms of just sound creation, my take is there's no such thing as tube warmth. There's only a difference in EQ. You know, there's no such thing as digital harshness. There's only a difference in EQ now and maybe the, the gear out there doesn't do a good enough job of capturing the things that tubes do and tubes do all these wonderful things. They, they compress in ways we like, they, they break up in ways, in ways we like, they amplify and they do all these like really nice things as you get them going. And so they're super useful. And uh, digital's job, I think right now is to emulate that. Whether it does a good job or not is up to the individual piece of gear and you, but is there inherently some reason that an analog piece of gear or, um, or one technology could be better than another. Uh, I don't think so. That's my take as a guitar player. And and I am not like an all digital guy. I mean, I have a collection of vintage amps and old guitars, and I'm a lover of just all things tone. Uh, so to me, it's not like,
0: to me, it's not even one or the other. It's, uh, it's both and. Oh, dude, that's some matrix kind of stuff you're talking about with like your ears and perception and um, totally makes sense though and kind of, gives a different perspective to the debate. What do you think then from knowing what you know already and seeing what you've seen in the last few years, what do you think are the next trends or developments in digital modeling world?
1: I think the, the biggest trends are um, you're going to see more people move to a capture type tech and we're already seeing that. So right now the landscape is um, modeling uh, primarily. And so someone sits at a computer and creates you know, um, a digital replica of what they think an AC30 sounds like, what they think a reverb should sound like. And we have some other right. technologies that have been out there, like IRs have been able to capture spaces and uh, reverbs and stuff. And then eventually they started being used in short forms for guitar speakers. And they're really good for that uh, because guitar, you know, speakers are impulse responses too. It's just a, a physical, like analog way of, of getting, uh, uh, it is an impulse response. It's a type of impulse response. So, um, uh, in terms of trends, it looks like people are already moving towards a, towards more of the Kemper style of things. What makes the Kemper unique is that, um, it has this capture quality where you might think of it as it has only one model inside. And then the profiling process changes all these parameters. You can't see that makes that one model sound like anything. So there's a new company. Well, there's Neural. Who's um uh? They make neural DSP. They make plugins and stuff. They have a hardware unit coming out that has a Capture Tech. There's another company called um, Axe Effects that has modeling, but they have an EQ, um, uh, matching, which kind of makes it similar to a Capture Tech. And then I bet Line Six working on some sort of Capture Tech. I know they're working on Helix too. They 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 were kind of saying that at Nam, but oh, yeah. who knows when it's going to come out. Pretty um. True. But in terms of overall trends, I mean, we mentioned like digital effects. Digital effects, I think, are are going to prove to be the Trojan horse uh, to the purest. Meaning like keyboards in the late 70s, early 80s were willing to go like electric because you can't carry a B3 and a grand piano and everything. It's just impossible, right? So if you want sounds, you got to do this. Uh, basis kind of went there. And if you've ever like moved an SVT cab, like you get why. Guitar players have been able to just get smaller and smaller amps mm-hmm. and kind of, kind of go that way. But I think what's what's happening um, overall is people are trusting digital more. And you have companies like Strymon that, you know, they started completely with reverbs and delays. And even actually before Strymon, damage control, didn't they have tubes built into their digital Yep. So that was their like origin story, right? And I think they even came from Line Six, right? And then and then created Damage Control. We're putting tubes in there, and uh, and then Strymon kind of set the set the tone for all in one big box effects that are like studio quality. And then even they are now getting into the amplifier modeling world. So so it's it feels like uh, it feels like all this digital stuff has been a slippery slope. And that's, that's a trend I
0: see. And that leads me to another question. I mean, so speaking of impulse responses and, and cabs and things like that. So what do you think of the new Kemper cabinet?
1: (laughs) I really, (laughs) I really dig it. Um, I, you know, I think it's, I think it's great. It's a, it's a step in the other direction, right? It's like, it's addressing the pain point of like, okay, we've gone digital and our direct sound is good. But how do I get my digital unit to sound like my amp when I'm in the Absolutely. room, which is a sensation players want? I don't want to play in headphones. I don't want to play through an FRFR studio monitors. I miss an amp in front of me. And that's like a romantic mm-hmm. thing that it's funny watching digital try to then like go
0: almost a little backwards. Hey, thanks for listening to part one of this podcast. We'll have episode two up pretty soon. Uh, but in the meantime, go check out tonejunkystore.com. Uh, that's HW's site with all his worship performance packs and Kemper stuff Uh, and that's Junkie with an IE so ToneJunkieStore.com and follow us on Instagram at WorshipSoundCo we'll have content up there and we love engaging with the community of worship players, Uh, if you have any questions or anything for future podcasts or topics, we'd love to hear it also feel free to like and subscribe and uh, all that other stuff that people say but Anyway, thanks for tuning in. See you next time.